The book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20 today. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to talk about how to make a living. How to make a living. I have decided to go back to my great verses of the Bible. I pulled away from them for the last month or more. And the Lord is guiding me back to them again. I almost preached two years on great verses of the Bible. And now I'm coming back to some other great verses that I would like to teach and preach on. I've had many people to come to me and ask me as young people about how to make a living. And many times we often tell our children as they grow up what to do to make a living. We live every day trying to make a living. And some of us are so busy trying to make a living, we have not made a life. We often tell our children, go to school, get a good education, and I, that's what I teach. And that's important that you go through that period of preparation, preparing yourself for your future. And I don't know of any way that you can really be successful in this day and time without at least a good education. It's important because things are changing. We're not farming anymore. We're not doing the things we used to do as Afro-American. And I believe, and I'm in agreement with Jesse Jackson, the best way for we as Afro-American is to get a good education and educate our way into the system. The system is too powerful for you to fight. You have no army. You have no weapon. So we got to teach our young people to get a good education. Ignorance is unacceptable today. Our forefather could say, I didn't get but a third grade education because I had to work the farm. We had to work on the farm and all the lives. And my daddy talked about how he couldn't read or write because he was in Sandersville and he had to help his brother and sister when their mother and father died when they were young. And he had to work on the farm. And he got into it with some white people out there. Something happened and they scared him and they were lynching in those days. And he left Sandersville and ran to make him to escape, escape for his life. And he didn't get a chance to go to school. His daddy died early of pneumonia and his mother died early. And he had two brothers and a sister. They made it there in Sinusville the best way they could, but he had to get away from there because he got into it with some white man on the farm. And he had to escape for his life. He came to make him broke, hungry, and busted, and the old man got him in there washing dishes. And that old man taught him how to cook, busting the tables and washing the dishes. I used to wash dishes in the back when things were not integrated. 
I came up in that era. I used to bust the tables, and I used to do a, be a dishwasher. At Westland College, my daddy was a head cook, and it was discrimination then. No blacks were allowed there. It was all-girls school. But I saw him as one of the greatest cooks in Maker. He took what he had. I asked daddy, how you learn to cook? An old cook taught him a busy bee restaurant. I never will forget it. And that's how he raised all eight of us, cooking all of his life. He didn't have a chance to go get a good education, but he knew how to work. That day has changed now. Blacks are learning that we have to migrate in the system. And that is why now you got black entrepreneurs and learning how to invest their own money. It comes from being trained and knowing the system. If you want to learn how to make a living, hear me, young people, you must go to school. Even if you become a successful person, you need to get some training to learn how to handle your money because they'll take it from you. All this is important. How many of our people have lost everything they had from lawyers and they didn't know what to do with the money they had? Talk to some of the famous boxers and things of that nature, how they ended up broke today. They didn't know what to do with the money they had. It's important that you teach your young people. Now, all the people didn't go to school, but they talked about school because they knew the only way you're going to be successful today is to get a good education so you can make a living. You got to raise your children. You got to work your way into the system and learn how the system works. A lot of our people don't get in the stock market. A lot of us are afraid because we're afraid of losing what little we got. Well, life is a chance. So the point is, how do you become? Everybody, if they always say, if you want to hide something from us, put it in a book because we don't want to read. It's important. Even Malcolm X talked about that. And I did a study on him and Martin Luther King when I was at Mohawk. He was a genius of a man. But he read in jail. He took every book he got his hands on and read it and mastered some things that we don't know about today. Making a living so that when you get my age, you can retire, and when you get my age now, you're gonna have, have at least four or $5,000 a month to live because of the cost of living. You gotta have enough money coming in and your house paid for, but taxes going up. Your medicine, we overlook that as older people. Most older people, most of that money go on medication. Because that little check they get, they got to buy medicine. Do you know how high this stuff is? Move on it now. Get a good retirement plan now. And this church put me in a retirement plan 20, 30 years ago. Amen? They start saying when they didn't do that when I had other churches, I wouldn't have had nothing to retire on then, just preaching. But some white guy walked in here and got on this board of deacons and said, this boy, this young man, has given his whole life for this church, has built you all the church. Now, what is he going to do when he gets sick, have a heart attack or anything happen to him, and he got to go home? What are he going to live on? And my deacon dropped their head. He went off on them. And they got me into a better retirement plan. I would not have gotten, been able to get a Social Security check if that man had not come because the church wasn't paying it. And that needs to be told to all the young preachers. You need to have your church put you in a retirement plan so when you get six to five or six to eight or nine, you will have something. You don't know what's going to physically happen to you when you can't preach no more. Churches need to make sure they protect it. That's because of a lack of education. 
You won't be able to preach and pull it always dark. And when you can't pull it, they won't follow. <laughs> I'm telling you now, we're trying to get you to know the importance of getting a good education. Even if you're in prison, I understand a lot of you inmates watch me. If you're in prison, start reading. Get books. Read. When you come out, you have attained knowledge. Start your own business if you got a bad record. If nobody hire you, start your own business. Cut grass and get trucks. Rent them. Start your own business. Go on your own. People don't get rich working. You get rich from investment. I don't want to get too much on that, but by the time you work hard to get what you have, then you're going to die. It's like folk, the old saints were saying, the preacher saved all that, saving all his money. But I tell all you right now, you can work all your life and get old and can't spend it. Amen. You won't buy a steak now that you're young. Now that you're saving your money, you're going to get old and ain't going to have no teeth to chew it. You won't buy a nice car and ride in it now. When you get old, get the car, got the money, can't get no license. They say you're too old. You wait too late to live. Make a living now so you can live when you get old and won't worry yourself to death because you're going to get old. There were three rich men were real rich. I just thought of this. It was over They became millionaires. And they decided to do something for the mama. And they, three of them said, well, you know what? I'm going to buy mama a brand new Mercedes Benz. The other said, I'm going to buy mama a great big house. And the other said, well, I don't know what to give mama right now at her age. But I said, well, I tell you what, I'm going to give mama Three nice ducks, because she loved ducks. Well, they bought Mama this big house with the billionaire, put in this big exclusive house, and the other one bought that fancy car, and the other one bought the three ducks for Mama. And Mama wrote back and said, well, I want to say to the first one who bought me the big house, I appreciate the house, but I'm too old to go to all the rooms, so I just stay in one room. I can't afford all these rooms and walking around in them, but thank you, baby, for the house, but mama just stayed really in one room. Thank you, baby. And then the other one, she said, well, baby, I really thank you for the car. That's nice of you to see you all successful and give mama this big, brand new Mercedes, but I can't see. I'm too old to drive. Thank you. But I want to say to the one that gave me the ducks, they gave me the greatest gift, and I sure enjoyed the dinner. <laughs> you ought to get that later. <laughs> Mama cooked them. <laughs> so the point is, life is going to come at you that way when you're trying to make a living. Now, I often hear people say, I'm working hard, I'm doing things because I'm trying to make a living. I want to ask you a question. Do you really know how to live? Here is how you make a living. Paul is saying to the Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, nevertheless, quote it for me. You know the Bible? You got your Bible? Nevertheless, not I, but what? 
Christ liveth in me. The key to making a living is having Christ living in you. It's what's in you that matters, how to make a living. It's what's in your heart that defines you. You're not a Christian because you came here on Sunday. You're not a Christian because you got happy. Some of you are weekend Christians. You only get happy Saturday and Sunday. I call you weekend Christians because we don't see you no other time. You don't think about church no other time. You don't think about going to church until Sunday. And you, you just like Sunday, you come on Sunday clothes and then go home and take off Sunday clothes and put on other kind of clothes. That's your life. You're a Sunday morning Christian. You're a weekend Christian. And after church today, you won't pray. You won't think about God. You won't read your Bible. You're not thinking about your soul at all until Sunday morning. That's not Christ-like. Christ liveth in me. And I could go through a whole lot of Bible verses about what Christ said in the Bible about living in you. In fact, you can read Romans chapter 1, you can read Romans chapter 8, but you can really look at Romans chapter 16, and it all describes about what God will do for you when he's in you. When Christ is in you, it's not what's on the outside of you that matters, it's what's in your heart that matters. If you got church in you, you're going to church. But you have to have church in you. And as the pastor was talking about, if you love God, you will give. How can you be a Christian and cheat on God? How can you be a born-again Christian and denounce the God who blessed you and won't put him first? You have to have that in you to do these things. When something is in you, you don't have to have people keep reminding you. When it's already in you to do right, you can be around a million dollars and you won't touch it. When it's in you to do right, you're going to praise God anyhow. When it's in you, that's what's important. It's not about what's on the outside of you. A lot of you all are dressed up on the outside but naked on the inside. The inward man distinguishes the outward man. Nevertheless, Listen what he said. I am crucified. I want to ask you today. The only way you're going to make a living as a Christian is to have a crucified life. He said, I am crucified. That got me right there. A crucified life. The only, have, only way to have Christ in you, you got to take the cross. He said, why would Paul open up saying, I am crucified. Do you know what crucifixion means? Death. I'm dead to the flesh. I died to the flesh. We need a lot of caskets rolling down here this morning. We need to see some caskets rolling up here. We need to die to yourself. Crucify yourself. Crucify your flesh. Listen what the man said. I am crucified daily. Crucifying the flesh. Daily crucifying my pride. Daily crucifying my arrogance. Daily crucifying my past. 
In other words, Fleming, what you mean? The only way you can be a Christian, you got to have a nail in you. <laughs> they put a nail in Jesus. And the only way to be a real Christian, you got to walk around with a nail in you. When somebody see you praising God, say, I got a nail in me. When somebody see you saying, hallelujah, I got a nail in me. When people say, why you go to church? I got a nail in me. What you mean? I've been crucified. If Jesus died on a cross to, uh, for perpetuation and he substituted. He took our place where we supposed to have been on that cross. He died for us to satisfy the payment of death. Look, look, can I make this plain? When man sinned, God told him before he sinned, the day you eat, you will surely. What crucifixion is about? Now look, when man sinned, disobeyed God's law, he brought death. God said it was going to happen. That day that you eat, he put, surely die. Now look how God worked. Knowing that it's going to take death to satisfy sin. The wages of sin is what? Death. To satisfy the Father's judgment off of us, first he killed an animal. Amen. And shed an animal blood. God was trying to show man this is going to be by blood. The whole Bible got blood written all over it. And then what happened? Uh, that blood shed and then a brother shed blood. Killed another brother. Here now death shed a blood. And the only way to deal with the payment, God said, I got to find a way to deal with this. Something has to die. Animals are not perfect enough. But they tried using the animals. They had the goats. They had the goat that they would lead in the wilderness. And after Aaron would pray the sins on the goat, he would lead that goat way out where the goat would never come back to the camp so the sin won't come back. And then he would slay a goat, slay that goat, and shed the blood. And that was sent up before God, and God was pleased. I won't go into what Solomon did when he killed all them animals before he uh, marched into the temple. A lot of people got all upset about why did he slay them all. 50,000 this, 30,000 sheep and all that blood. They said, ugh, why would that be? That's how nasty sin is. A lot of people got problems about Solomon killing all these animals to dedicate the temple. But what about all the animals we killed? Have you ever been to the slaughterhouse? Well, if they didn't die, you wouldn't get no chicken. You wouldn't get no steak. And then somebody challenged me, so power offer to kill animals. I said, people have to, something have to die to eat. Well, I'm against killing animals. I said, then you still killing. How? Did you eat some green? You kill that green. They let me alone. Every, every vegetable that lived, you cut it, you killed it. So they kind of let me alone about that. I said, this is what God said would happen. He, God was the first one to kill an animal and covered man's neckness with the animal skin. He was trying to show us what was going to happen later. So all through the Bible, they were shed in the blood of animals to satisfy God. And God said, I'm up to something. The more they kept doing that, God said, I'm planning something to satisfy the payment of sin. 
I supposed to kill you when you disobey, but I'm going to kill my son. So the son came and died on the cross to satisfy the payment. So when I die, I won't have to worry about where I'm going to spend eternity. I'm covered by the blood. Something died in my place. So God won't put his wrath on me. You got that? I just gave you a whole course on the blood of Jesus and why we sacrifice. Why are we going to have communion? It's the only thing Jesus told us to remember. The only thing Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget how they crucified me. If you all want to change, go back and look at the Passion of Christ. When Mel Gibson decided to put out that video, he invited me and Cruffalo Dollar and three other pastors out there on Highway 85, I'll never forget it, before the movie came out. And we sat there. There were some things in that movie they didn't show. I got up and I spoke. I said, woo, there's going to be trouble you show all this. It already was a great controversy against the Jews. And I told them, Jews didn't kill Jesus. We killed him with our sins. Amen? They were trying to blame everybody, but the passion of the Christ what I saw were really, they took some stuff out, were really had you on the floor crying. But if you go look at that movie, as they came close to how they did Jesus, how they whipped him, how they beat him, look at it. One man had committed murder and killed a man 30 years ago when he saw the passion of Christ, turned himself in. He said, well, somebody died for me like that, I have to confess my sin. Because if you take a good look at what a crucifixion is, somebody take a nail, put it through your hand. Take a nail, put it in your feet. If that's not satisfying, you naked. It's about shame, humiliation, naked. But worst of all, they drove a spear, oof, in his side. And the Bible said blood and water came out, which science said when blood and water come out of you is a broken heart. Crucify. I want to ask you this morning, do you have a nail in you? If you're a child of God, you ought to have a nail in you. I'm crucified with him. With Christ. My old self is dead. Here's another point. Paul said it's personal. I am crucified. Not you. I am. Quit looking at other folk and look at you. You need to get crucified before you talk about other folk need to die. You need to die to your ways. You need to die to some mess you're holding. You need to let go of some things that you've been holding all your life. Put a nail in it. Put a nail in the hole that about your kid folk. Put a nail in it. Suffering. We all suffer. You're going to go through pain. You're going to always go through trouble. You're going to always have your children getting in some mess. You can't rearrange grown folk. It's all life is about suffering. Life is about a crucifixion. If you're a Christian. 
He said, I am. Most of us want to tell somebody what they need to do. But he said, I am crucified in Christ. He said, teach, pastor. I am crucified. I'm giving you some Bible teaching now. I am crucified is a personal thing. I am crucified with Christ. Got that nail in you? On that cross? If you, if you, if you crucify, then everybody looking at you and accusing you. Think about the crucifixion of Christ and then see yourself. Are you lied on? They lied on Jesus. What else about crucifixion that makes it stand out? Shame. Uh, what else? <laughs> you keep talking about Reverend. Well, I'm going through all this, and I just gave my heart to God. Why am I being attacked as part of being a crucifixion? It's part of being who you are. Who were crucifying Jesus? Ignorant men. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. A lot of folk mess with you out of ignorance. <laughs> they don't know any better. Half your kid folk ignorant. Welcome to the human family. You know some of the most ignorant folk are your kin folk? <laughs> Sometimes you'll say, I know they got better sense. Mama, dad, what we fight over? They fought so over funeral one time, I was hoping someone fall in the hole and I'd bury them all. Help me hold it go. The way they were acting. Fighting all over the casket. But they had better sense than to fall in that hole, didn't they? I've seen some fun things at funerals that I had to go get in my car the way they were fighting in that yard. Ignorant. That's not going to bring her back. You're going to have to need your kinfolk one day. Let it go. That little old house already broke and tore up. My dad left me in the house. My brother got mad and then I had to condemn him and tear it down. He was already old. <laughs> the point, I'm driving the point here. You got some ignorant people on jobs. You got some ignorant church folk. They'll almost cuss you out in Jesus' name. Church folk are hit you with a Bible, baby. <laughs> That's crazy, Reverend. Did you say that? I seen some fights in church. You let church folk get mad. I've seen it, baby. I pastored five churches prior to coming to you. And what I've seen in some church fights is unbelievable. People mess with you out of ignorance. You know, the devil, he's ignorant. He think he know you. He think that the stuff he put on you, you're going to crack. He think that everybody attacked you, and I've been under so many attacks. He didn't know you. He think he know you. The devil think that if he put enough pressure on you, you'll quit going to church. The devil think that if he put enough pressure on you, you on your sick bed, you'll curse God. 
He doesn't know you. You have to tell him, Satan, you don't know me. In fact, you know what I told the devil once? I said, I'm going to show you you don't know me. So by everything you throw against him, I'm going to praise him anyhow. I'm going to show you the more you hit me, the harder Fleming going to preach. I've been through so many attacks, so many things that some of my members that know me have watched me, seen the stuff I go through, and I don't talk about it, and I keep right on preaching because they have watched this pastor all these years, and some folks know this pastor and say, I see the strength. I wonder how he make it. I've had some members say, I don't see how Reverend take all this. The devil doesn't know me. I will call in my mother's womb, and what I do, I will never quit. You know, the devil thinks he knows you. And you got to let him know you ignorant, man. If you think I'm going to quit praying, you ignorant. If you think because I don't have no money, I'm not going to church, whoo, you ignorant. I'm going broke. <laughs> God help me. Personal, I'm crucified. Daily. Now, why you got to crucify your flesh? You ready for this? Why does God put something so tempting? If God, if you don't want me to sin, why you put this fine mama jam in front of me? Send an ugly one. <laughs> well, I won't say it that way. <laughs> I don't need to say it that way. But send somebody I won't look at because I'm a Christian. And I don't want to be tempted. I want to do your will. Why God doesn't move the things that can mess you up? Why? Wait a minute. If you want me to be crucified, Lord, don't put, don't put that, 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 that little cigarette. Y'all know that thing so little, almost doing you. You got to. I saw that at Moe House. <laughs> and one of them told Rip, you need a hat in there? I said, no. Hey, Rip, take some of this. This'll make you get your mind off your members. <laughs> I was in that temptation. I said, no, brother, you know, if I get on that and I never had this before, I'm scared I get caught. I'm sure I'm scared I'll fall for this. I can't take that. Whatever. Reefer. Yeah, that's what it is. Church folk acting like you don't know, looking crazy. Grandma smoking it too. Great grandma got a joint. Come with me. But Lord, if I'm a Christian, I'm trying to live right, and I messed up before, don't put nothing that I'm weak to in front of me. I want that crucified. You don't want to know why God won't move? He's saying, this is going to prove how much you love me. The stuff I'm going to put in front of you that you weak to is going to show you how much you really love me. How would I know how much you love me if I didn't tempt you? He put the devil in front of Jesus. The next point, God put stuff in you to show your commitment. When the devil told Jesus, turn stone into bread, Jesus was hungry. And of course, biologically, if you fast for 40 days without eating and eat bread, it will kill you. 
So physically, that's physiology. And so the point is, Satan said, I want to kill him before killing time. Got to get to you all. Kill him before he get to the cross. Because if he get to that cross and die, I'm finished. I want, I want to divert him from, I think the greatest test Jesus went through was in not the cross. You ready for this? Garden of Gethsemane. That was the garden of testing. God will test you to show you, are you really that committed? Because that's where he made the decision to take the cross. It's not when he was on the cross. It's when he was making the decision. Father, not my will, your will will be done. And once he made up in his mind he was going to go to the cross, that was a real test. God will put something in front of you to test your loyalty, to test your commitment. Even if you fail, will you come back and get up again? How, I know you, how, you, how we know you love somebody is when they lose everything and don't change. Do I need to repeat? How I know you love this church is when it's going through something you there. And if we go through something and you vanish, you didn't love this church. If you leave your husband because he lost a job, you didn't love him. If you lose, leave him because he got a pot belly, you were in love with protoplasm. <laughs> Remember, muscles turn to fat. And if you leave her because she got more hips, well, then you had to go on one side, hook one end, and go on the other, hill with the other. You know which way hips go on when you keep feeding them? Out! You know which way a man go on if you keep feeding Out! You don't leave things because changes. The test is going to come when you no longer show what you were in love with. The person or the body or the money or the name. I got the house. I'm counseling and preaching. Love your mama. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, here's the point, and I'm about out of this. My, the thing got my issue is that nevertheless, I live. I died, but I'm living. That's a contradiction. I'm dead, but I'm living. I had to die to live. I had to die. Why? Jesus died on the cross and that Sunday morning did what? Live. You might be going through something, but I got a nevertheless on me. I may have lost my job, but I, nevertheless I live. I may not have no friend, but nevertheless I'm still making it. I may not have a whole lot of things I want, but nevertheless I'm still going on. I may be struggling with some things, but nevertheless I'm still here. I'm hanging every day on nevertheless I live, suffering, going through pain, but nevertheless I'm praising God's name. Nevertheless, I'm lifting him up. Nevertheless, I'm reading my Bible. Nevertheless, I have no friend. Nevertheless. Somebody said I got cancer, but nevertheless I'm praising him. 
I've been sick, you might say, but nevertheless, I'm God's child. I will never let go of nevertheless because whatever I go through, I got a nevertheless in my life. Nevertheless, I live. Nevertheless, I glorify. Nevertheless, thank God for the nevertheless in your life. Don't let the devil steal from you. Don't let him take your job. Keep on living. Pastor, church may not work, but nevertheless, I'm preaching. Deacon, they may talk about, but nevertheless, I'm serving. You may be going through stuff. Well, you go through stuff like the preacher. You God's man. You're going to be under attack. How are you going to be a God's deacon and don't have some problems? Preachers do. Some of the greatest preachers, you know, be surprised, know what we go through. The devil always after us. The devil always want to tear us down. The devil do everything to destroy a man of God. That's why you have to be sensitive enough to pray for your leader. Pray for the man of God. That God keeps. The devil want to kill us. But nevertheless, you keep on preaching. Preacher, nevertheless, do what God said do. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, I live. I'm just tearing this verse up. Nevertheless, I live. Yet I, not I, but Christ liveth in me. He's in me while I'm staying with it. He's in me while I'm praising him. He's in me while even in a pandemic I'm going to church. He. Oh, he's in me that I won't even let the devil in hell stop me. If I can go to the restaurant and I can go to everything else, I can go to church where my man, nevertheless, he won't take my joy. Nevertheless. I see I got two of my mothers on the front today. They've been sitting a little back. I want them to do that. Now they got their boosters. <laughs> Now they feel a little more comfortable. Two of them come a little closer. Not too much, but far enough. So now I can see who you are. You know what? They're at an age where they can't take chances. And I wasn't looking for them. But they have made the confidence. All right, now I got my shot. I'm feeling all safer now. I come to church and come down a little closer. Not too close, but just a little closer. <laughs> I can't tell who here. And I said, so and been? No, they haven't been here. They back there, Pastor. I, uh, Corey, I ain't never seen Corey, but he on that fourth row. You know, you know Corey wasn't coming over here, but I got mama. I got to take care of my mama. And he's sitting right on the end of mama. And I was falling in love with him, so he would bring and sit back there in the back. You better take care of her because when you lose her, you have lost the best friend in this world. And I got my shotgun. I want to take care of my mama, Reverend. God. Woo! I got folk in back there. I don't know been here, but they've been telling me. They back there, Reverend. They going everywhere else. I went to Cracker Bell yesterday. Couldn't get in. I was like, wait a minute. You got to wait an hour. 
I said, wait a minute, isn't it COVID? So what? <laughs> Pat. And come to church, but you know it's, it's another variance out there. <laughs> you wasn't coming when the first one came. I'm not going to mess with you no more. All right. Nevertheless, I live, but the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I'm closing with this one. Who loved me, who gave himself for me. What grabbed me is the more me. What makes me so excited about living, how to live a life, a good living, is God consider you as nobody else but you? You know, God can hear everybody praying and then hear you like ain't nobody else praying but you. It's the me that got me. What? He did all this for me. He suffered for me. Me. And God is so involved to you he know your name like he's right at your breath and know everybody else's name that always how can God I don't get it how can God know when a sparrow fall and then got his eyes on me do you know how many birds out there how can God know how many, what is it? I forgot, I used to know the number of people, a billion people in the world. And then God know me individually and know the strain of hell on my head. Now, that ain't too bad for me right now, but <laughs> look at all that hell on Bradley's head. And God know the strain of hell on your head. He know all that and can count the number of strains on your head, the Bible says. He know everybody's name and all these people living. He know all the birds and know when a sparrow fall. He know all the fish and know every fish by name. One time, as I wrap this up, a man came to see a shepherd. And he said, shepherd, you got all these hundreds of sheep. You know them all? Yes, sir. He said, but how? They know me and I know them. First, they know my voice. So when I holler something, they all come running. My sheep know my voice. But then the man asked, but wait a minute, you know these sheep by name? He said, mm-hmm. He said, how? Are you ready for this? I know them by their bruises. Said <laughs> so one got a pierced ear. I know it. When one got a spot here, I know it. Are you ready for where I'm going? God know you by your bruises. <laughs> Everything that has hurt you, he know you because every bruise you've taken all your life, God even know about that. And I thank God for the bruises. He know all about my pain. He know all about my suffering. So take your bruises. He did it for me. He woke me up.
for me. He put bread on my table for me. He made a way for me for me. And now I got to stand here and praise him because of me. It's the me that gets me. Christ living in me. And when I see Christ living in me, how to live the Christ like. Watch Jesus. Watch how Jesus lived. He forgave people. Do you know how to forgive people? If you can't forgive people, you don't know how to forgive yourself. If you learn to quit talking about everybody's wrong. You know we good when we got clear eyes when we see other folk wrong, but we got blind eyes when we see us. You need to take the same clear eyes you're looking at everybody else and take a look at yourself and quit talking about the dirt in somebody else's life and look at the dirt in your life. Am I right about it? Yes. Yes. So Christ is a forgiving God. He looked beyond your faults and so my knees. What else that make me Christ-like? I can live this life of Christ because he didn't abuse his power. God had the power to wipe away all his enemies, but he prayed for his enemies. I wonder if you could be like Christ, if you had Christ's power. What to be Christ-like? He had a lot of blessed talk. When Jesus met crowd, he thought, blessed is he. Am I right about it? He came with a word of blessing. If you want to be the Christ-like child of God, bless somebody. Pray for somebody. He had blessed talk, and then he had good news. So many preachers love to get up in the pulpit and damn members, but God didn't say, beat my sheep. He said, feed my sheep. Am I right about it? Some don't have nothing to say but negative things. Talking about folk who died and going to hell. Have you ever gave them some hope and tell them you can rise? It's a way out. Folk are hurting hard enough than to come to church for you to beat up all over them. Give them a word of hope. Jesus came to people and gave them a word of hope. Am I right about it? He caught a woman in adultery and shamed her accusers because God is not here to bam you and take you down because of your past. He's a God of hope. He said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, I have none, Lord. He said, go and sin no more. He healed the ten lepers. And while they were going, they were made whole. Jesus is a forgiving God. But oh, 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 I got Christ living in me because I know one day all things going to work together for good to them that love the Lord. If you want to have Christ in you, learn how to love people. If you want to have Christ in you, learn how to help somebody. Because that's when I look at Jesus, I see somebody for the other man. He's already for the other man. So many of us are selfish, getting all we can and canning all we get 
and sitting on the can. But Jesus said, I'm coming here not for me, but for the other man. He was born on a silent night for the other man. He walked the streets of Jerusalem for the other man. He healed a blind man because he was for the other man. He went on the cavalry, hung, bled, and died. Oh! For the other man hung right there and died. And one of these old morning, one of these old morning, Fleming getting a little happy now. One of these old morning, he's coming back for the other man. He's gonna come back, put his foot on the mountain, crack it wide in two, and open his mouth. It'll be like a two-edged sword and wipe out the Antichrist. And he's gonna tell me, Fleming, come on up a little higher. It's all for the other man. Move on up a little higher. Move on up a little higher. I'm glad he died for me. Oh, oh yes. Hallelujah. Yes, he did. Yes. Look at somebody, point to somebody, he did it all for me. That's Christ like, help somebody. Do something for the other man. I serve a risen Savior. He's in this world today. And I know he's living. No matter what people say, I see his hand of mercy. And I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ. Jesus, he lives today. Let me know why I know he walks with me. And God talks with me as I travel along life way. Jesus lives today. How you know he walks? He walks with me. And he talks with me as I travel 
a long life away. I find out he lives in me because he lives. Jesus lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. Let me tell you how I know he lives. He lives. He lives. Oh, he lives. I can, I can feel him all in my hand. I can feel him all in my feet. He lives. And anybody out there know he lives. Yeah, he lives. Oh. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. I serve a risen and he lived down in my soul. I want to ask somebody here. If God healed your body, spin around about two times. Look here, look, look, look. You don't tell me God's not a healer. Whoa! If God ever led you out of a situation and you didn't know you were coming out, raise your hand. Oh, he lives. All right. Let me quit. All right, everybody sit down now. Let me and get my breakthrough. I know God lives. He's proving himself. Some of us, we not playing. We know what God has done. If it wasn't for God in us, we wouldn't have made it. You tell that devil he's alive. You will live and not die. Stop. Stop. I'm doing this for one of my old members. Keep 
And fitted for the sky Who gave his son my what carry some of us through. saying that to bring me through. I got a charge to keep. If you're watching us today, I'm saying the old hymn here in years. If you're watching us today and you got a charge to keep because you know God lives. Christ liveth in me. I'm crucified. I'm, my old self is dead now. I'm crucified. I nailed it. He put a nail in me. I gave it all to God. Now God is letting me go through stuff to test my commitment. Don't let death, don't let no husband, no wife, no child, no job, don't let nothing separate you from the love of God. It's a setup from hell to stop you. But God can use it to tell the devil like Job, you thought you knew him. But look at Job. Ha! Still holding on. And when Job proved that he loved God right, God gave him back everything he had and doubled it. So about persecution is life. God will put folk in your life to just give you the devil. But what is it doing for you? Praying. 
It's what's making you the Christian you are and you don't know it. And that's why God said, I'm not moving that thorn. I'm let that stay there. I wouldn't get this out of you if I hadn't moved it. Are you watching me today? You really want to make a living? Get Christ in you. Okay? He'll make, you, he'll make you learn how to be happy in an unhappy place. You can give yourself to God right now. I didn't mean to go this far today, but sometimes I get like this on the first Sunday. I see my old saints and my old members who, when I go to looking at them, it takes me back to my summer here days. And I look. You may not believe none of this I'm saying, but keep living. When I hit 70, I shouted because, Lord, I made the promise. My mother died at 63 years old. Didn't live to see her grandchildren from mine grown. You know what? I just think you ought to thank God you live to see your grandchildren. If you don't live for nothing else, say, Lord, I live to see them grow. And some of you live to see your children get grandchildren. My God, you're so blessed. And all that stuff you went through all those years, you're probably looking back at it and saying, you know what? They were hard, but it's worth it. Look what God has still blessed you. You're not sick. And if you're sick, you're not gone. You're still doing all right. And you're going to be all right because you've proven to God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. I'm taking it all and nail it to the cross with you, Jesus. But here's the key. I'm getting up Sunday morning. If that's you today, wherever you are, Stretch your hands to God today at your home and say, I yield. I'm letting Christ live in me.